0: Good morning, folks. It is good to be up here. I know you, some of you are disappointed. You're going to miss Brother Kyle and his good preaching. I want to thank that brother for filling in for me. Um, not everybody would have maybe wanted to come up here, <laughs> but he fearlessly wants to preach the gospel of Jesus no matter where, no matter what, and that's what we need to be like. Amen? And I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for bringing Kyle into our fellowship and allowing him to be part of who we are in Christ and he's been a blessing to me and I know he's been a blessing to you and I just want to thank him for preaching for me two Sundays not knowing till the last minute but anyway this morning I've got a a sermon on my heart and um, I don't know about y'all but this has not been the, the easiest year of ministry for me and I look around at where we are as a country as the body of Christ and I can honestly say that I think it's easily to say that I could discern very easily that this has probably been the most difficult year I've seen since I've been in the ministry in 24 years to be ministering to people and trying to keep people uplifted in the faith of the Lord Jesus. And if there's one thing that I think we need more of this year is that we need more hope. If you ever think about it, hope is one of the greatest things you have because if you ever lose hope, not only are you hopeless, but if you become hopeless, you will become helpless. You can't help a person who doesn't have hope. And I don't know about y'all, I'm thankful that so far, no matter what I've went through, no matter where life has led me since I met Jesus, I've had some hope in my heart. Amen. And this morning, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm just sharing kind of a transparent message that God has spoken into my life that I hope will be a blessing to you. We were going to start off in Jeremiah 17, but I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 42 because I want you to see where this person is at. And then I want to preach to us about the blessing of hope. How many of you here has had hope attacked? Maybe lately. If you have not struggled with hope, somewhere at some time I'm going to tell you that you probably will one day before you leave this earth and we we read a passage from a man of God who knows the Lord who has walked with the Lord but he is desperately seeking because the Lord doesn't seem to be where he used to be you ever been like that and life has become to where he's seeking out for the presence and blessings of the Lord again. And and we're all familiar with it, but I want us to read it with the focus and the context of hope in our mind. As you look, this man says in Psalm 42, he says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O Lord God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I don't know about y'all, but an absence of God brings an absence of hope. When you don't feel the presence of God and your relationship to God seems less than it has been, less than it should be, less than it's supposed to be, you're going to find in your heart what this man seems to be experiencing. Deep within his soul, there's a turmoil. There's a, a crying out. And look at what he goes on and says, My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? And friends, I don't know about y'all, but there's been times in the ministry where it seemed to be there was more of God, there was more of favor, there was more of blessing, there was more of seeing the fruit and the benefits of serving the Lord than sometimes it can be. And look at what he says right here. He remembers the times when things were good, He says, when I remember these things, these things that have brought tears that seem to be my food day and night, when I continually are saying, where is my God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God. (laughs) He remembers when things were wonderful, when he was like with a multitude of people just like him, like-minded other people that loved the Lord. And he said it was like a multitude of us. We went to the house of the Lord with the voice of joy and praise. And it was with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. You know, as Baptists, we like the feast. Amen. We like to eat. We, we were like pilgrims together in a feast. It was like Thanksgiving every Sunday, you could say. But he finds himself now for some reason, he's not sure why, except that he seems to feel an absence of God. That he's saying, but why are you cast down, O my soul? Verse 5, that's what I want you to look at. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Have you experienced that yet in life since you've been a Christian? That your soul, there's turmoil, there, 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 there's no peace. It's a disquieted experience in deep within you. It's not where it has been. It's not where it used to be. It's not where you want it to be in your relationship with God, but you're not really sure why. And you look around at the circumstances you find yourself in and the place and season where you now walk and you're trying to figure out what has happened and he's crying out in verse 5. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. And then he says, therefore I remember again you from the land of the Jordan. We know that's the land of the holy plan. And from the heights of Hermon and from the hills of Mismore, man, you can read and try to figure out what are these actual places? What do they actually mean? But what I do believe you can tell is there are places where he's met with God. There's places that remind him of God. There's places where him and God has been together the way they're supposed to be, where he knew and felt the, the quiet hope of God's presence. And he's thinking back of that. And then he goes on, he says, I will say to God, my rock, you have forgotten me. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemy reproaches me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? You know, one of the most difficult things for a Christian, a church, good old Baptist to admit is that things ain't right with me and God. Things ain't the way they used to be. They're not the way they ought to be. And you know, when I look around the church in America today, many of our churches are not experiencing God the way they're supposed to. We're not seeing God do the things that he says he can do. We try to sing the good songs that pump us up, and we try to take and hear the messages that encourage us. But sooner or later, we will, and many of us have gotten there lately, Get to the place where we say, where is God? And look at what he finally comes to the conclusion of. And this is kind of just an introduction to get to where I want to preach to you. I hope this is going to make you realize the value and the blessing of hope. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. How many of you would admit today that sometimes it's hard to hope in God. Most of us would be far too religious and far too spiritual to admit that. Well, I'm here to tell you, your pastor lately has been having trouble hoping in God. You know, when everything seems to be happening contrary to what you expect and think ought to be happening, and everything you seem to do doesn't accomplish what you have been shown and believed it would accomplish, it's easy for you to bend deep in your soul. Question, why am I disquieted? Why do I don't have peace? And friends, I don't know about you, but I do not know I was pushing this button. I hope y'all wasn't reading all this. <laughs> but when I look in Jeremiah, and this is where I was going to start out this sermon, but I wanted us to all think, how many of you would be honest enough to say that here lately, <laughs> it's easy to wonder about it? can I hope in God I don't know about y'all but when I look at our nation and I look at the circumstances that we seem to be in in the season in life as our culture and our secular world around us in it seems like it's hard to see where God is at in America anymore then I come to the church and We've got all these things, and I don't want to give something glory that doesn't deserve any more than it's already seems to get our attention, but we've got pandemic. We've got got all these things that's got us distracted from the one thing that brings hope. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. You could fix your world exactly the way you want it to be and have everything that you think you want and need to have peace and still be without hope. Because all hope ultimately comes from God. And friends, I want you to think about this. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. This man here who knew the Lord, who you can obviously see, there was times when he walked with the Lord with a multitude, with joy, with thanksgiving in their hearts, and they sang and coming together in the presence of God at the house of God was like a pilgrim feast, but it's not like that in this man's life right now. Now he's struggling. He's struggling. And he's saying, why in my soul am I disquieted? Why is there not any joy? And then he's talking to himself. Have you had to do that lately? Preach to yourself. Hope in the Lord. See, he's saying hope in the Lord. You see the this opposite of that, right above that in verse 5, it says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And I want you to think about this. How easy it is to misplace our hope. Because I think sometimes we don't understand what biblical hope is. I want you to think about this with me and look at this. Most people understand hope as wishful thinking, <laughs> looking forward to something they are really wanting to happen. Everybody has wishful thinking, guys, lost people. People who have never met the Lord, people who know nothing about the Lord, it is naturally within us to wish for good things to happen in our life. so that 's not what the Bible's talking about that 's not what it means when it speaks about hope. Hope is much more than wishful thinking as a matter of fact, biblical hope is more than wishful thinking. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation it 's confident expectation that what you're hoping is going to be able to bring you what you need and friends I don't know about y'all but I think a lot of times many of us is put our confidence in something that you are expecting something to happen that it cannot do as a matter of fact can the world offer us hope the world does offer us security But can the world provide for us true, real hope? You know what I see us looking for and grasping for? And there's nothing wrong with these things. We can buy insurance, and we do. Auto, health insurance, accidental insurance, life insurance. We buy every kind they make. And then we can put our money in these various accounts to ensure financial stability. We can seek higher education and training and be given opportunities for good careers that provide great jobs that are able to make us a good living. And from the benefits of that good living, we can make wise investments that promise us good returns in life. But none of these are bad. In fact, they make a lot of sense. But none of these can promise you and provide for you, my friend, hope. Because there's a lot of people in the world today who have all the money that can buy anything you need any possession you see hope is not found in possessions hope is found in a person can I get an amen and we got places and people who have everything the world seems to offer they have fame they have prestige they have popularity they have everything that money can buy and they're hopeless to the point they're helpless and friends listen you don't have to be someone who's totally absent from God to allow these things to rob you of your hope Because he's reminding himself, i got to hope in God. Not what God used to do, but who God is. Not what I know God has done, but what I know God can do. And it doesn't matter what God's done for me in the past. What matters is what can he and will he do for me in the future and today. Friends, I want you to think about this. There are several Hebrew and Greek words that depending upon the context can be translated as hope. But when you read in the Bible, hope is not a noun. It's not something you possess. Hope is an action. It's a verb. It's something that you do. And we, we don't like doing in Baptist church because we believe in grace. God gives us everything. We don't work for nothing. But friends, listen, true faith is going to produce good works. And friends, listen, the verb form in the original language Throughout the Bible, in the Greek and the Hebrew, literally means to wait or to look for with eager expectation, with confidence. In fact, the Bible says that faith is what? Faith is the hope for things. Faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And friends, listen, today you can sit around and just wait and mope in your consequences And allow your circumstances to dictate your feelings and what you think. And you will remain hopeless until you get to doing something more than just sitting there. And friends, that's what I see a lot of people doing today. The Bible tells us that God wants us to have hope, friend. And look where hope comes from. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. One translation says for our instruction for our admonishment. Why? That we through patience, that's endurance and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. You know what I'm here to tell you, my friend, you're not going to like to hear this, some of us, but faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God and hope is a byproduct of faith. And you're not going to have as much hope in a God you don't know much about. And the scriptures is what introduces us not to what only God can do. It's not information. It's not just that you have learning, that you've gathered the knowledge of information that gives you hope. It's that the knowledge of the information you possess brings you to the source of your hope and you are confident. Because a few verses down, listen to what he says. You see, hope is not in just what the information of the Bible promises you. Hope is in the person of the promise, the source of our hope. You see, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. How are you going to believe in a God you don't know anything about? The more you have scripture and you have been instructed and you have been given learning from God to who God is and you have knowledge of the truth of the word of God, the more you're going to have hope. You know why a lot of Christians today in the church struggle with hope? Because they are very biblically illiterate to the blessed, holy word of God. The only time most of them hear it is on Sunday, and all they hear is the preacher's opinion on it, and there's nothing wrong with that, as long as it's thus saith the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, an acquired acquaintance where you are personally, in the Word of God to the point the Word of God invades your life and it's part of who you are, the, the way you think, your biblical understanding about what life is about and who God is and what He can do for you is what gives you hope. You can be saved yet struggle with hope your whole Christian life if you do not seek out the Lord. Because listen to what it says in this verse. He tells you now, all, let's look at it one more time. Whatever things were written, where in the Bible, were written for our learning, for our instruction, that we through the endurance and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Where's that hope come from? Not from the Scriptures, it comes from God Himself. Now, may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy, peace, and believing. You see, you've got to be believing to have this, that you may abound in hope. But how do you abound in hope? It's not by your power to believe in things that God said or things you can do. It's by his power doing the hope in us. I don't know about (coughs) y'all, but I thank God that I look back (coughs) and there's been times when I don't know how I made it through things. Have you ever had that happen? And I look and I thank God that I'm beginning to learn not to put my hope in you. (laughs) Not to put my hope in another person or in something, anything except for God. And friends, today we have a lot of people who are having their hope misplaced in things that cannot ever promise you what we have tried to expect them to do. Now, the good news is that the Bible says when we look into the Scriptures, we can find the source of hope. You know, today, I found a new verse this week. Have you ever had that happen? I've been preaching 24 years, coming up on 25 years. I thought I'd read and seen everything that the Bible had to say about hope. But I sound a new verse today about hope, and it's not some of the ones you would think the famous ones. But do you know something? that everybody who's living this morning has hope. If you've got breath in your body, there's hope. <laughs> As a matter of fact, look what the Bible says. I love this verse. Anyone who is among the living has hope. You see, if you're alive today, you can be lost, you can be consumed with sin, condemned, one breath away from hell, but one breath is enough to keep from going to hell this morning if you want to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen? no matter how bad life is, if you're living, it could be worse. I don't know about y'all, but I like this. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. How many of you wants to be an old dog? I'd rather be the king of the jungle, amen, the majestic lion. But in honesty, I really identify a lot more with a dog. But as awesome as it would be to be an alive lion, king of the beast, I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion any day. How about you? Amen. So today, we can rejoice in the fact that we survived 2021, praise God. And if we survive 2021, there's hope for 2022. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what the consequences are in your life. You woke up breathing today. And if you're born again and you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if there's breath breathing in your body, there ought to be hope beating in your heart. Can I get an amen? But we have allowed ourselves to get distracted. We have allowed ourselves to get so focused on everything but him that we have lost hope in a lot of our homes, in a lot of our marriages, in a lot of the circumstances. We look at people and we think we can't help them. You're right, we can't help anybody. But there's not anybody that he can't help. There's not anybody that's beyond hope when we look at it through Jesus. And I want to show you something. I told you that hope in the Bible is a verb, it's an action. It's not just sitting around passively waiting for God to make and fix everything in your life, it's believing in God enough to seek Him, to look to Him, to trust Him enough to do what you can do. And I want to show you. This is where I wanted to preach, and God kept bringing me all around, so I'm going to promise you we're just going to hit this real quick. But I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13, and I want to show you a biblical example of hope. How many of you would admit today that just like Israel had times and seasons in the history of Israel when things were real dire and things were very difficult, that it seems that way for us right now? How many of you want 22 to be the same as 21? How many of you want a repeat? How many of you want 22 to be a better year than last year? I don't want it to be anything like last year because last year, this is what happened to me. I had diverticulitis to the point I had to get a colon retraction and had to have that removed. And I got COVID and got sick and uh, I, among other things. But then on the other side, worse than that is I seen God's church falter for the first time and struggle more than I've ever seen it since I've been in the ministry to help God's church and I've seen our nation seem to fall further from God and more quickly than I ever dreamed it could be possible to the point that I'm going to be honest I've struggled with hope I'm here to tell you I'm going to admit it I'm like the psalmist in 42 God why am I so disquieted in my soul Help me to to not be this way, God. But friends, you know what I've come to find? I can't just sit around and passively wait. I've got to step up and do my part. When you look at this, I want you to read it when you get home. But if you look at it, Israel is in a bad place. Saul, their first king, has been foolish. He didn't keep God's commandments. God sent Samuel and said, I've taken the kingdom from you, Saul. Saul. And the kingdom now, because of your foolishness, is going to be taken from you and given to another. And the kingdom right now is no longer being blessed. It's struggling because of its leadership. It has now caused trouble within the kingdom. If you look with me in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, I'm going to just give you a quick understanding of their situation. You think it's bad now? It isn't the first time it's been bad for God's people. It isn't the first time God's people has had a difficult time because of the circumstances and the consequences that they find themselves in. And it says right there, it says in verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I look at that and I wonder, if maybe the Lord has decided America ain't going to continue. Maybe life as we know it is not going to continue. Because we sure seem to be losing it faster than we can gain it back. But I want you to look at this. Then Samuel, God's prophet, arose and he went up from Gilgal to Gilbo of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Samuel, who was God's prophet too, Saul, left Saul. He gave him the grim news. God's taken the kingdom from you. He's left you. You are no longer God's anointed. He's taken his anointing to give to another, which was David. Saul just sat down and counted. How many people do I have? His hope was in 600 men. And his hope left him just sitting under a pomegranate tree, doing nothing. That's where, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves. Just sitting in a pew, doing nothing, wishing that God would make things different than they are. Wishing that God would change my circumstances. That God would take away these consequences from my foolishness. But friends, I want to tell you something. If you really hope and believe God can do that, then you'll do more than just sit in a pew. You'll do more than just come hear a preacher preach. You'll get in the Word. You'll get on your face and pray. You'll tell people about God. You'll begin to let God see that you have hope. By the life that you live. And that's the hope you see. Listen what happens here. It says in verse 16, Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gilbo and Benjamin. But the Philistines, the enemy of God, encamped in Michmash. May I tell you that the Philistines have encamped around America? That the Philistines are encamped around your neighborhood? That some of you, the Philistines, has encamped around your home and they are after your family. But no one wants to admit that the enemy seemed to have us captured and surrounded. We don't want to admit that. But that was the dear, dire circumstances that they found themselves in. Listen to what it says. Then the raiders, verse 17, came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to the Oprah, to the land of Shuul, Another company turned to the road to Beth Haran. And another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Friends, they surrounded them. I don't know about y'all, but when we look around, if you look by sight and you're not looking by faith, it looks like we're surrounded. It looks like we're overwhelmed by raiders from every corner. And it's easy for you to act like Saul and just go sit and wait. But listen, not only that, they were disarmed. Uh, This is funny. You could have a sermon here that could really make some rednecks think. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. Oh, that's funny. They were disarmed. They took away their ability to fight for themselves. By shutting down all the blacksmith shops, no one could get weapons to the point that the only ones had weapons was Jonathan and Saul, two people. Listen what it says. It says right there, but all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines. to I'm sorry, verse 22. So it came about on the day of the battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan. No one had a sword or a spear but Saul and Jonathan. And the garrison of the Philistines who were fully armed, who outnumbered them for what my studies show, five to one, went out to the pass of micmash and sat there and just held them at bay. Now, friends, I don't know about y'all, but that's a difficult situation to be in. That'll make you wonder if you got hope. But you know what I love? Jonathan didn't just sit there. He is a beautiful example of what I want to show you today. Hope is going to produce actions. Look at what happens. Now, it happened, verse 14, verse 1. We're fixing to get good, and I promise we're going to get to the end. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side, but he did not even tell his father. Saul, he's doing nothing. He's sitting in the outskirts of Gilboa under a pomegranate tree with the people who he's counted, his 600 men. Listen, he's got the advantage of having the priest's son. He's got political leaders with him. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Boaz and the name of the other was Shene. And the front of one face northward opposite Micmash, that's where the Philistines are, and the other southward opposite Gilbo, that's where Saul and the people of God are. There's a face-off. Have you looked around lately? Do you not feel like we're in a face-off? That either someone's got to do something, we can't just sit around waiting anymore, that something has to happen. I'm so tired of waiting. And somebody needs to stand. For the Lord, if you hope in the Lord today. Because it's easy to just say with your mouth, I hope in the Lord. But if you hope in the Lord, you're going to do things that show that there's a hope in your heart. Because listen what happens. This is an amazing thing. Then Jonathan, verse 6. This is the whole verse that brought me to this place where we're preaching. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord our God from saving by many or by few. I don't know about y'all, but we need some Jonathans in the church today. Can I get an amen? We need somebody like him. I want you to look at what he says. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, one person Saul's got 600, he ain't doing nothing but sitting in the pew. Jonathan's got one man willing to go with him he crawled up rocks and it says he had to crawl by hand and foot he had to struggle he had to really exert himself to get to where he wanted to get where did he want to get I want to get closer to the enemy I want to stand in front of these uncircumcised Philistines who defy our God who have shut down our kingdom and I'm going to stand and if God be with us maybe he'll work for us maybe he'll help us Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder, he said, the Lord from saving, whether it be by many or it be by few. I'm going to tell you one thing, my friend. I had COVID. I don't like it. It wasn't good to have, but there's worse things to have than COVID. To be so spiritually dead, you don't miss church. To be so misunderstood in the difference of worshiping in the presence of God with the people of God, that you like sitting in your pajamas, drinking coffee, watching it on TV, and that's okay. That I feel you may have more of a problem physically and spiritually than anybody else will have. Because, friends, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have God, you don't have hope. And, friends, if you've got God, hope's going to show things in your life. Do you think Jonathan will have let COVID keep him from going to church? Do you think that armor bearer would have told his preacher, no, I can't do that. I might get sick. No, that armor bearer said, whatever be in your heart, Jonathan, do unto the Lord and I'll be with you. He climbed through them rocks. He climbed up in front of the enemy. That armor bearer climbed right with him and it says they killed 20 people in the first half acre. And all of a sudden people began to look and see Who is that? Saul said, who is that? Somebody's missing. Check our roster. Check our role. And they said, Saul, it's your son, Jonathan. He went, what? And friends, listen, God gave them a victory that day. God all of a sudden caused an earthquake and confusion, and he sent such a turmoil in the camp of the enemy that they began to fight with one another with their own swords, and they killed each other. Friends, I want to tell y'all something. This is an amazing thing. It may be that the Lord will work for us if we'll just show Him we hope in Him. And then He says, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving. He don't need a whole lot. He don't need a majority. He only needs a Jonathan or a David. And friends, listen, the most important thing about this is true that nothing restrains the Lord from saving. He can do whatever He wants. But guys, I want you to understand something. He didn't make a promise to his old, to his daddy and to all the people of God. He didn't make a prediction. He just believed that it's possible if I'll go over there and show God I have hope in him that God might show up and be work for us. And he did. And it may be that the Lord will work for us. Guys, the most important part of that verse. Isn't that God restrains the Lord from... Nothing restrains the Lord from saving. It's important as that is. The most important part of that verse is he said, Come, let us go. Let us go in the name of the Lord. Let us go do something in the name of God. And he went and faced the enemy. Friends, you got to face the enemy. You can't just run. You can't just hide. You can't just retreat. Sooner or later, in the name of Jesus, we have to take the banner of Christ forward with the gospel If we're going to win America and we're going to have victory again. Friends, it's quiet. I know it seems like an overwhelming thing. But I'm going to leave you with this thought. How many of you would be honest to say that lately that could be a reality in your soul? Why am I cast down, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance in my God. I don't know about y'all. But as long as there's strength in my body, I'm going to do like Saul. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to do like Jonathan. I'm going to stand for the Lord. You know, This morning, you know what hope would do? If there's hope in you, maybe you got something in your life you wish wasn't there. Maybe you've been wishing it would just go away. Maybe you've been wishing God would make things different. Maybe instead of just sitting out there wishing like you did all last year, Maybe you ought to get up out of here, come to an altar and lay down at the feet of God and say, Lord, today I come to bring this problem to you. I come to show you that I have more than a passive just sit in the pew and wait for you. I've come to meet with you. I've come to have your help. Today there may be some things in your life that you need to repent of, that you may need to do your part of. But Friends, there's some enemies too that we all face. He said that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He didn't, but he also didn't give us a spirit of despair. He gave us hope deep within our hearts that cannot be taken away when our hope is in him this year quit hoping in things thank god for vaccines thank god for medicines but i'm gonna tell you what i thank god for the blood of jesus i was asked on numerous times this week was you vaccinated yeah i got vaccinated i'm vaccinated in the blood amen i'm gonna tell you what i'm not here to debate if you're right or wrong that's your personal right but i'm here to tell you what there ain't but one God who in the end matters. Miss Sheila knows about him today. She sees what he can do. Somebody might look at Miss Sheila and say, oh, that's sad. It does break our heart. But at the same time, because of hope, it blesses us. Because she's where we all ought to really want to be today. With Jesus, my hope ain't here and your hope shouldn't be either. My hope is one day, whether by COVID, whether it be by whatever means God sees fit, that I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to leave all this mess behind me forever to stand in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I want to encourage you this year. Don't seek for more things of the world. Seek for God's greatest blessings. The longer I do this, the more I think of one of the greatest blessings that he gives us is hope. I pray this year finds you filled with the hope that is in the Lord Jesus. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you're lost today, it doesn't matter how lost you are. It don't matter what you've done or haven't done. The Lord loves you. He will save you. You could come today and you could be saved. There's hope for you. And friends, those of us who are saved, No matter where you are, if you'll just get honest, Lord, I am disquieted in my soul. Lord, I do feel cast down. I'm tired of struggling in defeat. Lord, I want victory again. I'm coming to you. I'm going to stand. I'm going to kneel. If it took kneeling at an altar in front of everybody to humble myself to have God's blessing, I'd be on my face. Amen. I don't like standing here telling you. I'm the pastor. You know what I get told? Don't get down, preacher. If you get down, we'll get down. If whether or not you down or up depends on me, we all in trouble, amen? Because it's Jesus, my friend, that keeps us up. He's the lifter of our head and he'll keep us going when no one else can. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to ask you to respond as the Lord has led. Father, we want to thank you today that regardless of what we see going on around us by sight, that by faith, Lord, we can see you and that you offer us hope. And, Lord, I thank you today that in the midst of trouble is where we find your greatest, greatest gift, that your faithfulness is what we can count on in valleys and struggles and seasons of despair is where we find just how great and faithful you are. Lord, I pray today for that person who seems to have lost his hope that he might find it today in you. Lord, help us to be a church filled with optimism again with a positive spirit that sees the good, that believes that you have best for us yet to come, that you are not finished, that you're not even started good, if we'll only trust you more. Lord, today, forgive us for doubting. Forgive us of our lack of faith. And bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name.